Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website, www.c3nc.com. Today I want to ask in the next part about asking. And we're going to read from Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 7. And it says this, the end of verse 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And for the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if a son asks for, for bread, will be, will be given a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he be given a serpent? Judah would be happy with either. Snake or serpent, which fish, all good things. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask for him? Isn't that good? I like this. This is all happy stuff today. All good things. If you ask, you shall receive. Here's the thing. The, the, the thing I see in this passage very clearly is that God is a giving God. He loves to give good gifts, the best kind of gifts. Better than you can even think or ask or imagine, the Bible says. He loves to do that. Can, can we agree on that today? That is God's desire. He's only, only ever, ever got good plans for your life and wants to give you good things. He doesn't have any other ambition or desire for your life. That's all he wants to do. He wants to provide for your needs. He wants to bring you joy. He wants to bring you happiness. Isn't that wonderful? And here he's saying, you know what? Ask for things. Ask for it that you might receive the good gifts. But here's the things, right? We're going to get into this a little bit. But it's not automatic. He doesn't give everything we want. Come on, let's be honest. True? I mean, there's some things that we ask for that we sometimes shouldn't ask for. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's sometimes that, have you ever been this, that you, you ask for something or if you have a desire for something but you know that it's going to cost someone else to get it. Have you ever been in that situation, that awkward, where you're like, I really would like, but that means someone else is going to pay. I mean, that's how it works in our natural world, isn't it? Usually, it's, there's always someone that pays. True? There's, there's no free rides. Yeah? That's some good fatherly advice, isn't it? There's no free rides. Like Dad talks about, the driftwood. Can't be the driftwood in life. The deadwood. It's even worse. That's next level. <laughs> once, once you drift wood for long enough, you become dead wood. <laughs> but there's no free rides in life, is there? But, but it is. Sometimes I, I know in my human nature that I go, man, I really want something, but I know that for that to happen, someone else might have to lose something because that's generally how it works. If we're being really pessimistic and negative, right, usually if someone gains something, someone's got to lose something. Like, doesn't that always kind of happen? But here... We read that Scripture tells us that God actually desires that it, 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 well, in fact, He's not limited to our earthly limitations. So He's saying this to everybody. He's not saying, you know, some of you can ask and some of you can receive, but some of you are going to miss out and some of you are going to get. He's saying here to everybody, everyone in the crowd, including you and I, we're included in this crowd on the hill. And he's saying, you know what, to every single one of you, if you ask it, you can receive it. This is good news. Nobody misses out. <laughs> Everyone can have 
what they desire in their heart and receive it. But it is complicated for you and I. I mean, I definitely get in this situation, well, even where I go sometimes, well, what is the right thing to ask for? Yeah? Like what? You know, sometimes you're like, you've got three wishes and the three sounds amazing, but then you go, well, I don't know. What three things do I want most? Have you ever been in that situation? Where you're like, man, if, if I really ask, what do I want? Sometimes it's hard to answer that. I definitely have found that. What do you want, Ryan? I don't know. Can you give me three options? Three good choices and I choose one of your ones? I mean, coming up with what to ask for sometimes can be as difficult as even rationalizing, well, if I ask for something, what's the effect that's going to have on someone else? Some of us don't think that way. They're like, I'm just going to get my thing, you know? Railroad. I'm going to get it. <laughs> what is it? Lamborghini. You want that? You want something that you can fix up, though, right? Oh, crash it and fix it. That's it. Make some money off it. <laughs> so what I love about this passage, though, it actually gives us a roadmap to actually enjoying our very best life and getting the whole package. Does that sound good? And so I don't want to break it down. So first it says ask, but then it says seek, and then it says knock. And there's a process there, yeah? God does desire that we would receive everything that's in our heart. The Bible makes that really clear. He actually does. He actually is the one that actually originates and, and creates and puts in you the things that you desire. And he says, you know what? I put that there. So it's, it's, an, easy, it's an easy yes for him. He goes, well, I planted that there. I've just been waiting for you to ask something, to ask for it, because it's in there. So it's like your confession is really powerful in that because it aligns with something that's already been put there. But when you ask for something that's never been put there, a different situation. Because we don't always get what we want. So ask and it will be given to me, given to you. Everyone say the it, it. What's it? I read this scripture and I'm like, ask and it. And I just sat there for a second, I'm like, well, what's it? There we go again. What's it? What's it to me and what's it to them? And what's, what's it? What, God, what is God saying that if we ask for it, that we'll get it? Let's go back to the context. Now, last week, we got, we got to this passage in verse 6, which is really interesting. We went, judge and you will be judged, blah, blah, blah. And then it gets to verse 6 and it says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs let them trample that they would let them trample underfoot and turn to attack you so pearls and earrings dogs and pigs what's all that about here he's saying basically don't throw the most valuable commodity that you and i have and throw it away now when we looked in that again last week what was it the thing that the pearls and the earrings are what it's spiritual truth and wisdom so then we move on to verse 7, and we say, ask and it will be given to you. I wonder what it could be. Has anyone got this? Context is king, yeah? Ask and it will be given to you. To do this and to illustrate just how powerful wisdom and truth can be in our life, I want to go to another hill, not far from here, but wind back a couple of hundred years. Does that sound okay? So we're going to turn to 2 Chronicles 1. 2 Chronicles 1, and again, I think we'll, we'll get it up on the screen, but 
let me give you the context and the timing in history. So this is, this is following King David's rule. So he, he's, he's died and he's handed on the keys to the kingdom to Solomon, right? David has spent his reign as, a, as the most incredible... I mean, he's taken Israel from having numerous enemies to actually coming to a place of complete peace, yeah? He's defeated everyone on every side. And as well as that, he's killed giant, a lion and a bear. I mean, David, let's face it, he's, he's the guy, right? There's no one that has ever been like him. He has established Israel unbelievable. But he's also made some fatal errors, which we've got to say. He made some real mistakes. But he's remembered as this kind of brave warrior king poet who defeated a giant even as a boy. I mean, that's how he kind of started his whole onslaught of being amazing is that he, he put a rock in the, in the skull of a giant when he was just a lad. I mean, this is David. And so his life ends, this hero, and he now goes, Solomon, here you go, buddy. It's for you. It's time for you to enjoy everything that I've worked hard at and to take it to a different place. Now, Israel at this time is in a time of peace and it remains this way for some time. It's an incredible time of prosperity as well. As I said, every sort of enemy on each side has been defeated and they're in this beautiful, happy place in, in a period of history for Israel that they'll never, ever experience again. And Solomon gets given this ticket. I mean, winning, right? Winning. It, Israel is so successful in this time. If you go to 2 Chronicles 1, down to 15, verse 15, it says, And the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stone, as rocks on the ground. It means it's everywhere. And he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the, of the Shephelah. Unbelievable. It, later, in another passage, it says that every single family in Israel had a home and a garden. Everyone did. I mean, gold is just like, you just pick it up on the, oh, there's some more gold. Put that in the pocket. Incredible prosperity. Like no one has ever known. And Solomon's got this. I mean, he's got to feel pretty happy about this, yeah? He's got everything. It's all looking really sweet. But I think he also felt an incredible pressure to live up to the standard of his father. I mean, he's this invincible character that just, I mean, he's, he's known as the one that was God's beloved, the chosen one, this, this kind of perfect individual. And Solomon steps into his shoes, and now he's got to lead this nation into the future and hopefully take it to a better place. And I can just imagine him thinking, man, I'll, ne I'll never live up to him. I'll never live up to what my father was. How, how how will I be able to prove myself in this way? How, you know, where can you go from, from best? You know what I'm saying? I think he actually felt that. Well, he's stoked about it. He's like, well, where do I go from here? It's already good. So back to Chronicles, okay? So if we read from, let's go from uh, verse 1. So Solomon, the, the son of David, established himself in the kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Solomon spoke to all of Israel, to the commanders of thousands and hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders in Israel, and the heads of fathers' households. And Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon for the tent of meeting of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness 
and that was there. So he gets all of Israel, all the leaders, everyone that's kind of significant in the nation, as well as all the fathers, so all the dads. And he goes, right, we're going to go to the, te- to the, the tent of meeting, the temple at the time, this temporary stra- We're going to go there together. We're just going to go there. Let, let's all leave and let's go on the hill Come with me. And so they go there, and then it says in verse 5, And Solomon and the assembly sought it out. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tent of meeting, and ordered a thousand burnt offerings on it. And in the night, this, this is where we're getting to the, the connection here. In the night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I, sh- what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to my father. And you have made him king in this place. O Lord, let your words to David, my father, be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For you have, you, uh, for who can govern these people of yours, which are so great? God answered Solomon, because of this, in your heart, you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the, or the life of those who hate you. There's that, I want to win, so somebody's got to lose. He didn't ask that. And you have not even asked for a long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are are granted to you. I will also, though, give you riches, possessions, honor as, as such as none of the kings who have ever before you and none which shall ever be like. So Solomon, from the high place at Gibeon, from before the tent of meeting to Jerusalem, and he reigned over Israel. (laughs) So because of his request, he's asking, he got a whole lot more than he bargained for. Here he is, really in a a place of humility going, you've you've loved my father, I can see you've, you've blessed him beyond... I've got everything, the wealth, but I feel completely humbled. And to be honest, I'm a little intimidated because I've got to lead all these people now and I don't know what to do. And he goes, give me wisdom and knowledge. Give me revelation. And because of that, he unlocked something. He unlocked something that not just didn't just so affect his own life, but it affected everyone else. Now we ask, he said, help me to govern. Here's the interesting thing. If you're looking at the original Hebrew here, govern can be translated as help me judge. Isn't that interesting? So last week we talked about the, the typical thing with judgment is that you want to make a judgment between what is right and what is wrong. Yeah? Which for us as human beings, what did I talk about? It's an incredibly biased, complicated situation. Because none of us see 2020. And so here, Solomon's going, that's exactly it. I don't always know, God, what's right and what's wrong. And this is where I need your help. It's right in the middle. If you can help me here, and I can continue to what? Judge others in the correct manner. Lead others in the right manner. So he's actually right asking something so that he would come out of this this place of bias to say, God, give me revelation so that I might see. And it unlocks a blessing upon his life that is profound. Now, let's go back to Matthew 7. Isn't that an incredible connection? 
Jesus says, ask. So my encouragement to you, the first thing today, is to ask God if there's anything that you can ask for. Fathers, everyone present here, ask for wisdom and truth. That's the one thing that still today will unlock everything else. It's the pearls, it's the earrings that you wear on your life that don't just represent power, prestige, wealth, and success, but actually represent something that doesn't just bring about earthly blessings, but actually flows out upon others. But here's the thing. There's a process. Asking first. But there's also seeking and knocking, yeah? Now, the thing about asking is what? It's a verbal request. And the confession of our mouth has incredible power. Incredible power. You don't even, like, incredible power. That's a verbal commitment. But he's saying here, you've also got to seek, you've also got to knock. Before you leave it at that is asking and then you wait. Yeah, I said, get it done, God. Yep. Come on. Now he's saying, you know, follow your asking with a little bit of action. Because I like that. Now in the original Greek, to seek can be translated as to meditate, to reason, to inquire into, to get to the bottom of a matter. Don't you sometimes need that when you want to ask for the right thing? It takes a little bit of sometimes getting things right in your soul, some meditating, a little bit of time with the Lord and a bit of reasoning with Him that makes you go, aha, aha. There's wisdom and truth that flows through our seeking, yeah? Strong's Concordance defines seeking as worship. worship. To knock can be translated as repeated beating, to gain admittance. <laughs> now here's the thing, back to Solomon. Before asking God for wisdom, he did something else. Flick back. What did he do? He took himself and all the leaders, all the fathers, he said, let's go church and let's worship and let's seek out God so that we might establish something for this and the days ahead he seeks out he gets on his bike he gets on his chariot he heads off to church he gets before the father and he starts to worship and a thousand burnt offerings I mean I mean, not one. I mean, one would have said, yeah, that's, that's it. Nope. He keeps on slapping down those burnt offerings. So here I am, God. I'm consecrating my life. I'm giving everything to you. A thousand times. With all the leaders. All the fathers. And then the opportunity comes. He see, he's spent... He spent the entire day consecrating himself, coming before the Father, worshipping. He positions his, his heart in such a place that he's ready. He's ready to ask the one thing that will unlock a blessing that will pour out upon him, 
his household and the entire nation. It was so significant. He didn't go there with himself. He could have. I'm the king. Everything's on me. But he went up that hill and he said, Dad, it's really important that you come with me. Come with me on this journey. We're going together. We're going together to worship the living God. We're going to seek him. We're going to get his attention. And then we're going to ask. And the blessing was so profound that every single person had a home. They had a garden. And they had stones that were on the ground. But they weren't stones, they were gold. Asking to seek out. Worshipping. Back, back to Matthew. So just preceding chapter 7, and we're going to get to this in a couple of weeks, Jesus talks about not being anxious. And he says, you know what? He, I'm going to be really descriptive. I desire that you will have everything you need. I'm talking clothes on your back, everything in your house. I want to give you everything. In fact, he refers to Solomon here. And he says, you know, what? You know, remember Solomon? How he had everything? I want you all to have that. But then he ends with one of the most powerful scriptures that we know, Matthew 6, 33. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. What did Solomon do? When he went to that altar, he said, you know what? By making sacrifices, he's saying, I'm going to get right with you. But not just one sacrifice for me, for every other life standing alongside him. I think there was a thousand of them there that day. Nobody's missing out. We're all going to consecrate our life. We're going to get right with God in this moment, free of anger and controversy. And we're going to ask that the Lord would bless us. Men, fathers, households, what do we ask for? Fathers, I want to speak to you. You carry the spiritual headship of your family. Scripture is very clear about this. The things that you ask for on behalf of your family has an incredible, powerful, and profound effect. And if you would seek, if you would knock, and then you would ask, you would find that blessing would flow down upon your life and through all of your offspring. Amen. Shall we pray together? Ask, and it will be given. Who loves scripture? Isn't this good? Why don't we stand together, all of us? Why don't you just, while you're standing there, that offering so powerful. The, the incredible thing is that Jesus made it so way. He went, he, it's so easy. He went and he was the final sacrifice. He made a way. There's a perfect connection. So that means that right now for every single one of us that are here, there's clear and free, easy access to him. But there's still the same desire from God to say, you know what? If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you seek me out, I'll find you. We've got a clear, easy access. Amen. But we've got to lay everything else down still. We're going to turn away the things that are unhelpful to find life, to seek righteousness. Amen. And so as you're standing there right now, I just encourage you just to 
get your heart into a place where you say, God, you first. Just take a moment right here, right now. God, you first. My whole life for you. For you. Just consecrate your life afresh and anew right now in the name of Jesus. I can tell you that as you do that right now, you'll, you'll find freedom coming to you as you just surrender, as you let go of every other thing that you've tried to reach out for. Just let it go. Just surrender to Him. And men and everyone else, fathers, I want you to right now just start to ask for this. Say, Lord, help me. Give me the wisdom and the understanding to be able to lead my household. To see everything of heaven's blessing pour out upon my life. I ask for it. I ask for it in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you are a spirit of wisdom. You're the spirit of understanding. And I pray for every life that's before you right now, every household, that they would be filled with supernatural wisdom, with supernatural understanding. And Lord, through that, that there would be an incredible blessing that falls upon every every life, every family. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.org.